Hi, and welcome to Cameron's Baptist Church Sermons Podcast. We hope you're blessed by today's message. Who knows what Genesis is? If you turn your Bible, we'll be right there. Um, can, can, can we have a Bible? Do you have, do you have a Bible? Everyone have a Bible there? Good. So Genesis chapter 3 from 1 to 6. Welcome, Danny. So we have Danny here. It's uh, Claudette's son. Uh, we haven't seen you for a while. Yeah. And Sally as well. She was, she was in Australia. So welcome back or just for a while? Oh, okay. I hope Danny will stay longer. Um, so the theme of this Sunday is God speaks and we fail to trust him. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden. Not shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good, for food and that it was delight to the eye and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise she took of it she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate father once again we just want to ask you to speak to us this morning give us a heart that will be ready to obey you. You have spoken, Lord, and you have done so clearly. We want to hear your words this morning and help us to be obedient to it. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, as you know, we, I'm, I'm preaching a series of, series of messages on God speaks. Can I have some water, please? Um, the first one is God speak an unchanging dinner. Um, God speaks an unchanging message. And God speaks through his creation. God speaks through his word. And today God speaks and we fail to trust him. His word perfectly reflects his divine character and nature and leads us towards lives that are for our good and for his glory. You know, the question is not whether or not God's word is clear and reliable, but where or not we will trust his word. His goodness, walk in obedience to him. One thing is to listen to God's word. 
One thing is to listen a command from God's word. The other one is to obey it. Um, there's a guy called Ed Welch. He said he wrote a, he wrote a book called entitled "When People Are Big and God Is Small." Uh, in his book, um, he deals with our tendency to fear men rather than God, making men appear bigger than God. We could just as easily uh, write a book ourselves. Thank you, Sharina. Can't we? Now, every time we, we fail to trust and obey God and, and, and add another chapter or, you know, or we actually try to add another chapter to our own book that we are writing about ourselves. And we are declaring exactly when I am big and God is small. How far have you gone in your, in your book? How far is your writing right now? You know, every time we fail to trust and obey God, we add another chapter to this book. Anytime we fail to trust God and obey His word, we are just setting ourselves up in a kind of superior to him, claiming that we know more, and that our way is better than his. Before Adam and Eve ate the fruit in the garden, they had already sinned against God in their hearts. The matter here is not just to touch the fruit itself. It's not to eat the fruit itself. They fail to trust God, His word, His goodness, causing them to act on their own wisdom and desires, leading to disobedience and eventually death. Spiritual death. And consequently, their death. Now, we do the same when we fail to trust the God who speaks and fail to obey that which has spoken. You know, we act as though we are big and God is small all the time. We just follow the footsteps of our forefathers, don't we? Oh, we know it all, don't we? Remember, there is a, there is a, there is a, a, um, a book in the scriptures, I think it's Chronicles, said it, and the people did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord allowed a certain nation to oppress them. So then what, they, what they've done, they then repent. So they pray, they ask God for forgiveness, and God answered their prayer, and God sent a deliverer to them. And then they worshipped God, and they served God, and the time went, they forgot God all over again. Does it sound like us? We fail to trust God by questioning His word. Though Adam and Eve did not need help to question God's word, they had help, you know, from, from Satan, the father of lies. He introduced doubt about the word of God. Did they really say that? You know, did God really say that? I don't know if you, if you have some kind of experience about a friend of yours or about somebody that you like, you try, you're building a, a kind of, you know, um, trust in between. You're building a relationship and su- suddenly, suddenly somebody comes to you and said, you know, he said this to me. He said, did he really say that to you? Did, did he really mean it? 
and they start to, you know, to see doubt into their hearts. Let me tell you, Satan is a real enemy. He's active today, and he will seek to introduce doubt in regarding God's word, and, and if we'll let him. God has spoken, and he did not stutter. Furthermore, God's revelation is sufficient. He has given us all we need to know. He has given us love, honor, worship, and a command to obey him. How difficult was it not to eat a fruit? How difficult was that command? Because we always have the problem of obedience since then. The question is, will we trust God by trusting his word? Or will we question God's word? What does the word of God says about homosexuality? What does the word of God says about stealing? Telling lies. What does the word of God says about greed, lust and pride? So we're trying to find a nice way to, to justify those actions or those continued actions. What does the word of God says about his church and his kingdom? You know, it is a sin to have doubts in our hearts when God speaks. When we deliberately want to do so and not try to find the truth. But is it a sin to have questions when we read God's word? God's word? Is it a sin? I don't think so. Certainly not. We will never fully understand all the depth of the reaches of God's great revelation. We have questions. But our questions are not to question God's intention to do good to us. The first question would be, do you read God's word showing its authority over you and, and, and your submission to it? If you do, how do we respond when you have a question about what you have just read? Do you question your understanding of God's word by keeping God's word as a trustworthy authority? Or do you question God's words, making yourself the authority over his word, thinking that, well, this is not the, the, the ultimate authority. That's what this, Satan wants us to, to, to think. Whoever wants to bring something else rather than the word of God, put themselves into a uh, danger area. You know, one of our biggest mistakes is that we fail to trust God by altering His Word. Let's read verse 2 and 5 again. Verse 2 and 5 says, 2 to 5. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. What does it mean, we may? Uh, anyway. Uh, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, not shall you touch it, or you will shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not die, for God knows that when you eat, it, you eat of it, 
Your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You may say, how do I do that? How do I go around altering God's word? The word of God in its quality and quantity of content is perfect. Can you say amen to that? Everything in the word of God is true and trustworthy as is God himself. Nothing in the word of God needs to be removed. Nothing needs to be added to it. Or nothing to be, con uh, uh, be uh, as people trying to say, need to renew. And I've heard that are some fools trying to rewrite the Bible. Oh, a bunch of fools. Nothing needs to be updated either. When people say that the word of God is outdated, is, is outdated and needs to have a new version of it, it is because what God says about their attitudes, their behaviors, and their desires that are evil, and they don't want, they don't like that. They don't want to be bothered by God's standard of holiness. I do what I like. I do what my nature wants me to. And nobody can say anything about it. It's my desire. It's my will. It's my body. I do it whatever I like with it. That's maybe fair enough to you. When we alter the word of God by addition, as Eve did, or by, subtra by subtraction, as many religious leaders did and do, just to accommodate their beliefs, to satisfy, you know, the good people from their congregation, trying to please the rich and the famous and the politicians for that matter. They are demonstrating a lack of trust in God and bringing a terrible judgment upon themselves, upon their people, upon their nation. We either say that God's word is not sufficient because something needs to be added or his word is not good because it places demands on us that we are not necessary or best. Either way, altering the word of God shows that we do not trust the wisdom or goodness of the God of the word. When was the last time? And I'm sure that, that there is a unmistakable um, thing that will probably have happened to you. And you cannot deny that. When was the last time you were doing something that you knew exactly what you were doing was wrong and God told you and the Holy Spirit of God content with you said this is not right to do and you did it anyway. But when was the last time that you were about to do something and the Holy Spirit of God told you, do not do it, and you said, oh, forgive me, Lord. But uh, what we need to be careful is, is to harden our hearts by not obeying God every time he speaks to us. That's what happened. When God tells you, over, over, and over again, and you continue to do it, there will be a time you won't feel anything anymore. 
What is your tendency? What is our tendency? Do you add things to God's word? Maybe social restrictions regarding music, dress, drinking, etc.? Or do you take things away from God's word? Maybe, you know, God's hatred for divorce since your spouse wasn't faithful and you went out. Or God's command to forgive since some, you know, someone has hurt you deeply. How does your willingness to alter the word of God shows that you are not trusting and submitting to the God of the word? You know? Another way that we fail to trust God and disobey His words, or by disobeying His words, is right in verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Somebody would probably say, well, if I was in the garden and the serpent offered me the fruit, I would chuck away the fruit and eat the serpent. I doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt it. You know, the clearest evidence of our failure to trust God in our disobedience to his word, disobedience is our adamant usurping of God's authority and reign in our lives. Every time we try to rule our lives ourselves, we are saying, God, you are small and I'm big. Because I know it all. You don't, do, you don't know what is best for me. Our disobedience says, I know what your word says, and I'm going to do what I want to do instead. This is the fruit of our decision to make ourselves big and God small. How big is your God? How big you are making your God? When faced with an opportunity to obey or disobey God's word, the question to ask is not, does these things appear to be helpful, beautiful, and desirable? The question to ask is, what has God said about this? It's not the appearance of evil, because let me tell you, sin is nice and, and pleasurable. Otherwise, nobody would, would sin. Huh? How about that? It is nice. It gives you satisfaction, temporal satisfaction. It does. It makes you happy for a while. But let me tell you, the Bible says that the wage of sin is that everything, there is a price for it. And especially sin. And the wage and the, and the price for sinning is death. What, is, what kind of death? The death is separation from God. There are those who are already live in sin who needs to be resurrected, who needs to be uh, uh, actually to be born again. And are those who are dying or who have died spiritually who needs to be resurrected. There was a word in the scripture that says, wake up from your slumber. Obedience will flow out of trust and surrender. 
Let me tell you, if Joshua would say to God, Oh, Lord, you know, I'm a man, I'm a man of war. You know, I have fought many wars. Now you're saying this silly thing to me that I have to walk around the Jericho seven times, blow all these trumpets all this time, all these people here, what they will think about us? That's all we have? What kind of trumpet is this? But let me tell you, Archaeologist says that when Jericho fell down, that the walls of Jericho fell down. You know, when you push something, it's, it's you know, phys, phys, the law of physics means that when you push it, you go forward, right? Even though he, he exerts the same length of, of, of impact that you put him, but as you have a stronger whatever it is, and then he f- uh, tends to fall. Yeah? Like this. But the Jericho was blown from inside out. And the walls fall outwards, not inwards. How would you explain that? You ask the archaeologist who found that. That's not my words. It's there, documented. Disobedience comes from a heart of doubt and rebellion. But God has a way of dealing with a disobedient heart and a rebellious heart. God has a way of doing with doubt if you let him. Can you think of a time that you have disobeyed God and did not result from doubting God's word and choosing to rebel against him? When was, you know, there's a time I'm going to do it anyway. You know, since you cannot ask God by his spirit Let me rephrase this. You know, since you cannot um, have from your own self the desire to do it, to obey Him, ask God by His Spirit to cause you to do that. Because that's the work of God, that's the work of grace. You see, ask Him to help you to trust His Word. To trust his goodness that will lead you to walk in obedience to him. How many times God said something to you, you have done wrong, and when you came back said, Lord, you're right, and I was wrong. And when faced with some temptations to doubt and to disobey, don't be deceived by asking if the thing you want seems to be helpful, beautiful, or desirable instead. I'll say it again. Simply ask yourself, what has God said about it? Remember, I'm repeating this phrase to you this morning. Don't think about the pleasurable of sin, or the pleasure of sin, or the pleasurable moment. Then trust God's goodness. And faithfulness and walk ahead in obedience to Him. When God tells you to do something, expect nothing but a miracle. Trust me. When God asks you to do something, expect nothing but a miracle. Here is a man standing in the desert who thought he was somebody. He thought for 40 years, because he grew up in a palace, he had a title. Yeah, He was actually a successor for Pharaoh. And then he thought he knew 
Listen, I'm sure Moses knew exactly he was a Hebrew. And his mother was always in contact with him. But when he thought he could do something on his own, all he did was to kill somebody. Out of his, you know, he think it was his justice could prevail. There was an Egyptian god treating badly a Hebrew. And then he went to quell with him and they start fighting. And that fighting, he killed a man. He was a strong man. Moses wasn't, uh, you know, like myself. He was a strong man. <laughs> but he spent 40 years thinking that he was somebody. And then God had to take him out of that palace and put him for 40 years in the desert just to tell him so he would find out that he was nobody without God. Now he come to a point. Now right in front of a bush. Burning without... Burning. <laughs> and then he marvels all these and then he comes and God goes and changes life. Tell him what he should do. Now after 40 years, God wants to tell him what he can do with nothing. And he decided, he said, well, who, are, who am I going to tell these people that sent me? He said, tell them that I am sent you. When God tells you to do something, expect nothing but a miracle. And Moses, the first miracle, he was right there. He had the rod in his hand. Because the, the, the prophecy was, by a rod of a shepherd, I will deliver my people. That was not related to Moses. That was related to Christ, to Christ Jesus, our, our, our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Then he threw the rod on the floor. God told him to. He turned into a serpent. And then he took it back. You see, by the rod of a serpent. So by the rod of a, she- of a shepherd, he would deliver these people. But Moses could expect a miracle by obeying God. And every time God spoke to him, he did exactly what God told him to do. Apart from once, one time. And that he probably regretted for the rest of his life. Ten plagues, ten times, was exactly according to God's word. No water in the desert. God told him, strike the rock. And everything, a miracle happened. I'm just saying to you, my brother, when God speaks to you, expecting nothing more than a miracle in your life and in the lives of those who surround you. And you see, and that miracle... Is not to make you a sp- more spiritual than anybody else. But that miracle is to glorify God through your obedience and complete trust. So let me conclude. You know, from time to time, I first all. <clears throat> From time to time, we do stupid things, don't we? Or people say, well, most of the time I do stupid things. But like God's mercy and grace is always there, available for you. But even from the time our first parents sinned, we have been inclined towards distrusting God. 
What did what did Adam and Eve did when they sinned against God? Jim was sharing that. Uh, yes, uh, was Friday. I think he shared that on his house group, but he shared them when I went to um, give communion to to Gladys and and, and and Millicent. They went to hide, didn't they? They went in hiding, and they have made for themselves clothes out of leaves. That's all they could do. That's all we can do in disobedience to God. We hide from God and we make things to cover our shame. That is not the way and actually we'll, we'll be worthless. But when Adam and Eve sinned, what did God do? Did God chase them with a rod to beat them up? With the sword to cut them in half? What did God do? God ran after them. God came and said, Adam, where are you? I'm here hiding because I heard your voice and I was afraid. You see, disobedience leads to shame and fear and make you hide from God. You know, the first things that happen when somebody is spiritually degrading, they forfeit their prayer life. And they try to build up some excuses to give them some satisfaction and pleasure to substitute that time in their lives. That is nothing that substitutes our fellowship with God. Nothing. Nothing. There is no clothes made by leaves that will help you will cover your nakedness or your shame. God went after, Mo, uh, after Adam and Eve. What he went to do, he went to cover their shame. He, he went to give them a promise. Although you have disobeyed me, I'm here to bring you back. I'm here to promise you that I will restore your life. But it starts now by accepting the sacrifice I made for you. Now, and in, in, in symbolizing the, the animal that God sacrificed and gave them clothes. You know, as I said, since our forefathers sinned, our, we are inclined to distrust God or, or, or you know, his word and his goodness, choosing instead to disobey God and go our own way. Do you teach your children to be disobedient? Do you teach your children to be disobedient? Do you teach your children to do something wrong? But they do, don't they? Who taught them? This is our nature. We teach our children to be good. Are you a good boy? Are you? Um, you better. Say, you better be. See, we don't teach our children to do anything wrong, do we? That's our nature. Have your parents told you to do what is wrong? I don't believe so. Not really. This is our human nature. In the same way, 
Our parents always teach us to be obedient. God is calling us to listen to His word. And also He sends it and tell us to obey Him for our own good. When you tell your kids to be good, to behave, what is your intention? To protect them. To help them to be a better, better person. Not to punish them. Whether we add to or subtract from God's word, we demonstrate our lack of trust in Him, His word and His character. We place ourselves above God and His word, making ourselves big and God small. Those who do not know Christ walk in this way as, they, as their manner of life, actually. The only hope is repentance of sin and surrender to Christ as Savior and Lord. Believers must also realize, however, our similar sin of disobedience, we should also realize that we need to repent from our attitude towards God, our attitude of disobedience. We must depend on the transforming power of the gospel and the sanctifying work of God's Spirit to empower us to trust God, to submit to His Word and to walk in obedience to Him by His grace and for His glory. And I'm going to challenge you this morning, my brother, my sister. How many times have God spoke to you? How many times the Word of God has clearly told you what you should do, how you should go about your life? I'm going to challenge you today to stop. Whatever you are, whatever you're doing in your life, stop for a moment. You can come to God and say, Lord, it's been a while since I, you know, since I was on my knees. So I want today to ask you to search my heart. What am I doing, Lord? I want to be obedient to you. And I want to invite you to stand and pray with me this, this morning. God speaks and makes known His design to us. That will be my next sermon. Father, we want to thank you today for your word and ask you that your spirit continues to speak to us. Lord, as David prayed, Lord, don't let your spirit, Lord, be away from me. Don't let me be so stubborn to listen to the voice of your Spirit so many times and continue to say no to you, say no to Jesus. I pray for my brother and my sister here this morning that uh, you will give us strength, including myself, Lord, to give us strength to be obedient to your word, to your command, to your call, to your services, O oh God, to your ministry. 
those who are somehow trapped in their lives for one reason or the other for an addiction lord whatever it is or a lie or a problem in in their relationship in their behavior whatever it is i pray that you come and break in jesus name every chain that binds them bring down lord the stronghold of the mind releasing that mind to receive the word of god and may the spirit of god speak powerfully to each and every one those who are inviting christ into their lives this morning those who are repenting lord and want you to bless them again and again with that first love in jesus name i pray amen let's sing a song shall we Thanks for listening. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. If you want more information about Camrose Baptist Church, visit our website, www.camrosebc.org.uk. Follow us on Instagram at Camrose Baptist Church and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Camrose Baptist Church Edgeware.